Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am Janice Leibovitz, and you are my People of the Book. So they say that being an author is a lonely pursuit, something quite isolating, and an individual sport. But that's not the case when you do it in partnership with someone else. Allow me to introduce you to my guests today, Katie Gale. Katie Gale is the writing partnership of best-selling South African writers, Kate Sidley and Gail Schimmel. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us, Janice. Thank you. Lovely to be here. It is great to have you here. And both Kate and Gail are going to be guests at the Jewish Literary Festival on the 21st of March. And Chaif M is thrilled to be partnering with the Jewish Literary Festival this year. They will be doing a session entitled Murder They Wrote, in which they will be chatting to Hedy Lampert about all things relating to literary murder. So, without further further ado, let's chat writing collaboration. How how did your collaboration come about? Gail, I must say, you, this is not the first time you've collabed. You have done it before. So, this this actually was my first collab. The the Chasing Marion book oh, that came, came after, after this. Um, so, Kate and I started writing together before. It was my first experience of of not writing alone. So you liked it so much that you then <laughs> <laughs> that you then uh, wrote Chasing Marion, of course, with um, three other fabulous South African authors: Pamela Power, Amy Haydenrich, and Connie Loxton. How was this different? This is an entirely different process. So Kate and I, when we write together, Kate is actually the lead writer. So we plot together, and then Kate writes. And then I kind of come up behind Kate and sometimes make small changes, um, sometimes say slightly critical things, not very often. Um, you and would not dare. I, would, I would, <laughs> personally wouldn't dare criticize Kate. <laughs> well, I wish there was a bit more of that around my house. <laughs> There's very little to criticize about Kate. And then, and then we'll stop and then we'll plot the next bit. And then we'll write the next, well, when I say we'll write, I mean Kate. Um, and <laughs> that is the process. So the, so Kate, are you the ideas, the, the well, idea behind the whole No, thing? no, not at all. I think we both bring a lot of ideas. And I think that's one of the advantages of being two people. If we do have a distinct two heads advantage. So when we start thinking about the book, you know, we're all over the place. It's like, oh, well, you know, what if there was a body found in the, you know, the hay rack in the whatever, you know, um, and then we sort of, we, we sort of narrow it down to some of the slightly more workable and less ridiculous ones. Um, so from then on, I mean, generally we, we, we work closely, I think, in terms mm. of our ideas and it changes through the course of the book because we don't plot the whole thing from beginning to end. So one of the things for me as the kind of lead writer is those times, and I'm sure everyone who writes will know, have the same experience, will recognize this, is that you get stuck um, and you can't sort of, you can't sort of see a way forward or you've hit yourself into some sort of weird plot hole and you need really a fresh person to look at it. And that's really something that's been very helpful in terms of having two people instead of one. In case you have just tuned in, my guest today, my guest is Katie Gale, but Katie Gale is two authors, Kate Sidley and Gail Schimmel. I love it when you 
This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. This is People of the Book, and today my guests are Kate Sidley and Gail Schimmel, two of the authors who will be appearing at this year's Jewish Literary Festival, which is on the 21st of March in Cape Town. Before the break, we were chatting about who has the ideas, who does the writing, who does the editing. It's very much a collaboration in all senses of the word. But how did the idea come about to actually write together? Who should take that, Chris? You take that one. Go on. <laughs> I'll take the next one. <laughs> so we were at the Franschhoek Literary Festival together, and there may or may not have been a few glasses of wine had. Can't imagine. And we agreed that we are, in fact, the funniest people in the world, and that we should, as a result, be writing a book together. And a lot of conversations like that come to nothing. But we actually went through and we did it. Um, and that was the first Epiphany Bloom. So, to, in case you're not sure who Epiphany mm. Bloom is, let's just um, give some background. So, so far, and I'm saying so far because I'm really hoping there are going to be more, you have written six books together. Yes. In fact, we just finished the seventh one yesterday. Oh, so wow. we'll be another right. one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> another one um, later in the year. And so there are three Epiphany Bloom books. That's right. And three Julia Bird books. Yes. So is this latest book part of either of these series? It's part of the Julia Bird book. Is there going yeah. to be more Epiphany Bloom? Um, we don't know that yet. At the moment, the, what's happened is that the Julia Bird books have really taken off quite nicely. Mm. And our publisher is very committed to them. Um, I think they're going to be at least two more and, you know, who knows from there onwards. Um, so, so that's where we're focusing at the moment. Um, we're trying to, I think there's a lot of momentum there and we're trying to take advantage of that momentum and there are lots of readers who want to read those books. Mm. So we're trying to fulfill that need and at the there, moment. And there is a lot of, interest in characters like Julia. So Julia Bird, just to again give a bit of background, is an older lady and there is a lot of interest in characters like these I'm noticing out there. And um she has she's retired, she has moved to um a little Cotswold village called Berrywick. She has a lovely chocolate lab called Jake who is not the most well behaved dog that you've ever met. He's quite delightful, though. And somehow she always seems to manage to find a dead body. Personally, I wouldn't want to live in Berrywick <laughs> or anywhere <laughs> near Very risky. <laughs> she, she kind of channels um, Miss Marple um, and, you know, Angela Lansbury's yeah, character, murder, murder she, she wrote, wrote yes. that kind of thing. But she's, she's entirely her own person. You know, there's, there's bits and pieces of them. But Julia Bird is very much her own. The first in the series was an English garden murder, which was when she first moved into the village. The books are Delightful. The genre is cozy mystery. And I have to say, these characters, Epiphany Bloom and Julia Bird, are both entirely the opposite of either of you. <laughs> they are just, you wouldn't say, oh, it's like a bit like Kate or a bit like <laughs> Not at all. How did you come up with these people? 
That's quite a hard one. We um, actually never know how we do anything. It's, it's very <laughs> mysterious to us. Even though we've done so many of these books, sometimes you're like, why, why, how did we think of that then? You know, it's Although, ep- Epiphany. Epiphany, actually, yeah. there was a backstory to her. So Epiphany was that we, we wanted an anti-hero and we wanted someone who solves, uh, solves mysteries kind of by stumbling over things and making mistakes. And we wanted someone who doesn't have any special powers, who doesn't have any really special ability. Abilities. One of the things about Epiphany is she goes through jobs. So she is ref- always referring to jobs she's had and how she messed up. She's always messing up. So that was quite a conscious decision. And then Julia. Um, yeah, and the thing about the Epiphany as well is that quite often in that cozy mystery genre, the person does have some special interest. That, that, that That's sort of one of the tropes. So she'll be a librarian and she'll be able to look up things and that's how she'll solve the mystery. But we have this kind of hapless heroine who has got really nothing. And, and they're so, llamas. Yeah. So, I mean, well, really, it llamas. doesn't get you better than that You can't go me. wrong with llamas. You can't go wrong with llamas. And she has a three-legged cat. Yes, so, she does. She has a, a lot of advantages in life. <laughs> <laughs> With the most bizarre name. So um, she's like an older Nancy Drew. She's like a Nancy Drew for adults. A little then, bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that, that was one of the mm. things that was in our mind, uh, uh, Nancy mm. Drew for adults. And then, and then Julia is us working more to the tropes. They're very strict tropes in the cozy mystery genre, and Julia was our attempt to hit all those tropes. The older woman, the village, the pet. We were bit rebellious in that we had a dog instead of a cat but you know with Julia she is the typical cozy mystery um, hero except maybe a little bit funnier than mm. some of well, the she's others quite funny. Yeah. I don't, I and don't, your point as well about the funny. older women I mean yeah. we, we were very keen on that in a way because a lot of the characters in this book not just Julia but some of the other characters as well are also women of a certain age and they have so much to offer and mm-hmm. I think that was one of the things that we that, that we liked about the character and we liked about the, the genre as well is that they're not these kind of little grey people that are mm-hmm. sort of sitting there with anything they are actually making things happen and solving problems and, and supporting each other and other people and in quite a nice way so it, it was quite gratifying to be able mm-hmm. to, to write into the trope in a way that we felt brought those things out mm. nicely. And I like that although you're saying you're writing to trope, you're writing about characters in the village. They're not all warm and fuzzy. They all have their quirks. Some of them aren't quite likable. They're all they're like, you know, every man. Every it's kind of every person. You know, we don't mm-hmm. like all the people we meet. Mm-hmm. And not everyone is lovely and I mean some books you read they make out like everyone is so perfect and so lovely and so warm and cuddly and these are not the people you're writing about. You are writing about real people. Real people with quirks and with you know they And and sometimes they have a touch of a murdering problem. Well well always because otherwise there would be no book. <laughs> There's always a touch of a murder in these books. And um yeah, like I said, I wouldn't want to live in this village and anywhere near Julia, quite honestly. I am chatting to my I don't know, guest, um, they, he, she, they, them. Pronoun problems. <laughs> yeah, pronoun problems. <laughs> Katie Gale, um, which is the writing partnership of Kate Sidley and Gail Schimmel. And you are listening to People of the Book. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. You're listening to People of the Book. And my guests today are Kate Sidley and Gail Schimmel, also known as Katie Gale, the writing partnership 
who write cozy mysteries. They'll be appearing at the Jewish Literary Festival, which is being held this year on the 21st of March. It's in Cape Town. I hope you've booked your tickets. They are selling fast. So your books, so far six, and we hope to see the seventh very soon, seeing as you've just finished it. Um, these are published virtually, and they are published by a uh, a, it's a British um, virtual publishing company called Bookature. Yeah. How um, did all that happen? Talk me through that. So actually it was quite a strange thing because there was a woman that I used to work with. I always come from a magazine background. And I, I saw her on Facebook that she'd written some books. She'd moved back to the UK and she'd written some books. And one day I saw a Facebook post of hers that said she'd sold 250,000 books. I thought, well, it must be like, you know, 2,500 <laughs> and she forgot the dot the decimal <laughs> point of anyway it turns out she, so I, I sort of googled she said through my wonderful you know publishers Bookature and Trilla and Trilla and um, so I looked at this and I realised uh, you know what they do so they are the digital first imprint of Hachette which is a huge publishing company yes. and they were kind of one of the first who really identified ebooks and sort of the Kindle market as being something that was going to grow phenomenally and, you know, they back the right horse there. I mean, it's, it's a huge, huge mm. part of the reading market. And they do, so that when they say digital first, the ebook is their, you know, their bread and butter. They expect most people to buy it on ebook or on Kindle Unlimited. And they do do overseas in America and the UK. You can buy print editions of our books and everywhere you can buy audio editions. Here, unfortunately, you can't buy print. Um, so when Gail and I wrote the first um, Epiphany Bloom, and Gail said, oh, well, we better start looking for an agent. And, you know, one of the worst things in, in, in writing novels for everyone is trying to find an agent. And eventually, if you're lucky enough to find an agent, then they've got to try and find a publisher. And I said, oh, well, you know, there's this friend of mine, da, da, da. And, and Gail obviously thought this was a deranged idea. So <laughs> I was convinced that this must be a vanity publisher. But so, so, first, so, so for, for the listener yeah. who doesn't know what that is, explain what a vanity publisher is. So a vanity publisher, publisher is. is someone where you pay them to publish your book. So, but as I said to Kate, although the vanity publisher idea actually wasn't my first, my first idea was we won't get accepted. So I said to Kate, okay, well, we can send it. And I thought, you know, how am I going to comfort Kate when the first publisher we send it to doesn't accept it? And then they accepted. So then I decided they must be a vanity publisher. And well, first of all, you thought they were a bunch of scammers and they were going yes. to ask us for £3,000 to yes. read the so manuscript or something. <laughs> so, so we sat in our first, our first She's so meeting. cynical, isn't she? <laughs> she is a first. <laughs> Uh, that's why she and I get on so well because it's a lot of that in me too. <laughs> but we sit in our first meeting and I've said to Kate, the minute they ask us for money, we end this meeting. And it was actually one of the last things I did with another human being before COVID. We had the meeting just before lockdown. Mm. So we were sitting together with our legs together so I could hit Kate when they asked us for money. And they start the meeting and I'm just waiting for the part where they go, now you have to pay £3,000. And they go, there are just two things you have to know. And I hit Kate on the leg, here it comes. And neither of the things were that we had to pay £3,000. They actually were legitimate publishers who then offered us a three-book contract, mm -hmm. I think the first one was. Yeah, three-book deal. And they've been fantastic. I mean, 
lange. Amazing. Unbelievably professional, wonderful. The editorial support, everything, the marketing, you know, they're fantastic. And it, it was really been a huge sort of eye opener for us, this whole market. I mean, we were kind of aware about it. We, you know, we both have Kindles and, you know, we both read, you know, partially digitally and partially in paper books, but we had really no extent mm. as to, you know, what the market was like and how many readers there are and how they read. And they're, v- they're very r- voracious readers and they like these series. So that's why th- they wanted us to sign a three book deal. And we had to produce those three books reasonably quickly mm. um, because people read the first one and they don't want to wait until two years time for you to kind of bring the next one. They want to s- read the second and the third and what yes. have you. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been an incredible journey from that point. We've really learned so much about mm. publishing in different ways and marketing online and all those kinds of things. So it's really been fun from that point of view as well. So I actually have a history with Bookature. They yes. are one of the first publishers that I ever blogged for. Oh really? Yes. They were tiny back then. I think they I think they had published or virtually published a ha- literally a handful of books at the time. And I approached I think they only had a handful of people working for them at the time. And I approached um someone who was working for them. I don't know even know how I found her or Something about something appealed to me, and I approached, and they they sent me a, a book virtually, also on my Kindle, and my relationship with them has been long-standing for many, many years, and remains. And to to have watched the way they've grown mm. has been incredible because they have grown phenomenally mm. since yeah. the days when I first started um, working with them. And to see, firstly, the way their staff have increased, the departments have increased, and the way their, the author number has increased. Mm. And they've got some really big authors on their books. Yeah, they have. I mean, I think they're very successful. There are a lot more people in that space now. I mean, as you know, yes. you were an early adopter with them, and they were kind of really leading the charge on the on the sort of digital first model. And more people have come in. But I mean, they have. I think they still kind of probably dominate in that space, and they have a lot of authors. And some of these authors have written eighteen, nineteen, twenty yes. books. You know, they're they're quite uh, prolific. Um, so yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, we'll be one of them. <laughs> I mean, I know they one author. I think she's just written. I can't even remember. She, she writes a series about a, a, a policewoman. Oh, it's Angie, Angie Marsden. Angie Marsden. Yeah. I remember Kim her Stone first. Books, Kim yeah. Stone. I think she's just written her. Yeah. I think it's her eighteenth. Her eighteenth. Yeah. Yes, it's her eighteenth book. Yeah, and I remember the first one. <laughs> I feel quite old, but no. But but really, when that first came out, I mean, that's to look back. To see how far she's come, to see how far they've come, it's quite amazing. And when I saw that you were publishing with her, my excitement was <laughs> through the roof. That's so nice of you. That <laughs> really through the roof. I was like, wow. <laughs> they have arrived. <laughs> the other thing that's happened in that market is the growth of Kindle Unlimited. Yes. In the last few years. So for the listener who doesn't know what that is, give us a bit of an explanation as to what that is. <laughs> so what happens with Kindle Unlimited is you pay a subscription fee um, every month. It's about 180 rand. And you can read an unlimited number of Kindle Unlimited books for that money. Now, if your Kindle thinks that it lives in South Africa, you're missing a trick. 
because you will have quite a limited Kindle Unlimited offering. But if your Kindle thinks that it lives, and let me say that again, thinks that it lives, it doesn't actually have to live in the UK or America, you will have a huge number of Kindle Unlimited books available to you. And when I talk about it, people go, oh, but it's all going to be rubbish. It's all types of books. It's literary fiction. It's everything. Um, if you are a genre reader, it is particularly valuable. They have series available on Kindle Unlimited. I'm a Kindle Unlimited reader. And so every am month, I. Every month I get value out and, of it. Um, and there are new releases available mm. on yeah. Kindle Unlimited. This is not just back copies, yeah. old books, mm. um, kind of old releases, things that are, have been lying in the archive. These are brand new releases. And it is well worth looking into and well worth looking into an address that you can find or, <laughs> you know, we all have friends and family who and there live are hotels. elsewhere. There are hotels. <laughs> Where your Kindle might want to live or think it lives. Or so, visit long term. <laughs> yes. <laughs> while it resides with you here. <laughs> so, you know, it's well worth looking into and you can, there is a limit to the, the number of books that you can download on Kindle Unlimited, but it's quite a big number. No, I don't think, I there think, is. is there? Yes. Have you hit a limit, yes. Janice? Yes. That's very extraordinary. I yeah. certainly haven't hit a limit. So you just need to go onto a laptop. You can't do it on your Kindle or on your phone, unfortunately. But um, you just need to go in and just um, delete, delete some of the older books that yeah. you've got sitting. Just remember oh, no, that no. when you finish reading the book, Delete it. So yes. that's yeah, that yes. There's no limit. You can only have ten on your Kindle at yes. any time. So but they don't stop you. No, no. There's not like you've read three thousand and now you stopped. You gave yes. me a terrible shock. Oh no, there. no, no, no. I didn't mean that. That's a certain number at a time, and then it's just ten. remember when you've when you've yeah. read it, you can chuck it. The analogy, although not with the deletion, would be something like Apple Music, where you yes. pay a month. Mm. You know, just for people who yeah, aren't yeah. familiar with it. Yes. So that's it's. It's a brilliant system. It is absolutely brilliant. So will you ever be, will we ever be seeing these books in print, do you think? We we are trying to explore an idea we've had to bring it to the South African market, but we're waiting for an email on whether that idea has any legs. Um, you know, it, it's difficult because they are digital first and South Africa. So let's Let's tell the story about when we got our own copies. We obviously get copies of every book. And the first Epiphany Blooms that were sent to us were not sent by one of the couriers that works efficiently in South Africa. And Kate had to eventually rescue them from... The cage of destruction. <laughs> oh my they'd, gone, they'd gone on this roundabout route, and apparently what happens is if something doesn't get claimed within you know, however many months or whatever, they put it in this thing called the cage of destruction. And... They, at some point, I made such a fuss for so long about this that they identified where our books were and they were in the cage of destruction. And with about 17 people email, you know, CC'd on this email, we got this email saying, you know, whoever it was, Sibo, please ensure you get down to the cage of destruction and rescue this package. <laughs> and where, where was this cage of destruction? Well, we don't know, but we had this vision of it sort of surrounded by fire and brimstone <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> being lowered <laughs> into, into someone a, stopping it, getting our books. <laughs> <laughs> brushing <laughs> off the ash and bringing it back. <laughs> it's quite a horrific vision. <laughs> <laughs> they use a more efficient courier now. 
I'm pleased to hear that. <laughs> but, you know, that's not really a solution for most yeah. people in South Africa because, you know, we, we need to try and, we would like to try and get, obviously, our, our friends and followers and readers here to be able to read those books. So we are, we, as Gail says, we're going to try, but so far, no, no dice. Okay. So we've had Epiphany Bloom and we've had Julia Bird. Who is next? Do you have another character that you are envisioning? We're not allowed to. Julia Bird is very popular, and our publisher has said we are going to keep writing Julia Bird for now. Kate and I are always full of ideas. Um, most of them are mad, but we are always full of ideas. We could we could give you another character right here, right now. Um, but we're going to keep writing mm. Julia Bird as long as people want to read her. She has a lot of life left in her, mm. I think, and we've created such a lovely cast of characters and. I feel we've kind of we've set up such a nice situation in the village and that's one of the things that a series does bring. You know, people become attached to those characters and sometimes True. we'll have these kind of random little tiny side character and then we'll think, Oh, I love that person. Like in the next book, let's make them the key person or whatever it is. So, you know, those people have come into play a lot and that I think there's still a lot of life left in them and we'd like to we'd like to continue to build that world and explore those characters and, and add more. And we are very fond of them. So for example in the book that we've just finished, we killed off one of our previous characters and then got so upset about her death that we revived her. <laughs> <laughs> we had this ridiculous conversation. I said, oh, Gail, I feel really bad about blah, blah, what her name is. And then Gail said, you know what, so do I. And I was saying, like, you know, maybe maybe we shouldn't kill her. And she was saying, I'm so glad you said that. I feel the same. And then we we resurrected her at the Still last moment before she went into the cage of destruction. <laughs> <laughs> you brought her back to life. Then did you have to kill someone else? We made another arrangement, which you will read about in the sixth, what is it, the fifth, fourth, Fourth, Julia Bird. Julia Bird, yes. But in case you're listening and thinking, oh, these sound so frothy and so silly, they really are not. In the last book, in the the Garden Fate Mm. murder, I mean, it dealt with quite real issues. I mean, they were very current issues, Mm. things like, like bullying and and. You know, issues like mm-hmm. that. I mean, so we're not talking about, oh, there are these characters, they live in this little village, and they live in this, they've got this quite surreal life, and that's not what you've created here. And the same with Epiphany Bloom. I mean, I know you're saying that, that there's no more Epiphany Bloom at the moment, but you do introduce very real-life current affairs and, and real-life issues. Yeah. It's a balance, you know, because I think one of the things about these types of books is that people turn to them for something that is reasonably light. Mm. Um, you know, they, they do yes, want I know to people have a want fun an escape, yes. but they don't want it to be so escapist that it's unrealistic. Exactly. And they, I think that, you know, it's a more satisfying read if there's something just a little bit more than that. And, mm. and, you know, we really do try to write them well. I mean, I think, you know, we try to bring, you know, humor into it and we try and bring, you know, some plot tension and all the things that we would write in our more conventional kinds mm. of books and to make them the best that they can be within that genre. Um, that genre does have, as Gail was saying, certain tropes. So there's no sort of over violence or sex or profanity or anything like that. Anything happens off the page. So it, you're not horrified by anything. There's never anything that's going to, you know, keep you up at night, really. Um, and we do try and make it 
you know, as, as well as kind of a, a fun and pleasant experience, like quite a satisfying one. You know, as you said, you have some issues brought into it and some, and, and some sort of, you know, maintain a sort of a good quality of, of writing and thought, um, whilst giving everyone a, a nice time. And, and a laugh. A laugh. And a laugh. And a laugh. But there's also <laughs> the, the family relationships and the, you know, those, those relationships between the people and mm. there's that as well. Mm. And that's a lot of fun to plot because that you plot over several books. You know, you have a, yes. you have an arc. So we, Julia, um, meets, uh, in the first book, a very good looking doctor, um, called Sean. And we have the Sean and Julia relationship. And, and we can tell you that over the coming books that we've planned, we've got some really interesting ideas around that about the relationships people are going to have. And there's the relationship, of course, between Julia and her daughter. Yes. And that is definitely going to grow. You're going to find out a lot more about that. And let's not forget about Jake, the, the chocolate Labrador, who is based on my chocolate Labrador yeah. called Jake. <laughs> I didn't want to mention him. I, you know, some people don't want to mention anything from their own personal life, but you've no. brought him up. So <laughs> Jakey is very proud that he's a character in a book. And in the next one, in the fourth book, which is called Murder in yes, um, well, so far I mean, we hope you know, <laughs> something along those <laughs> yes, lines. Is, yes. um, in that book, Jake makes an interesting new friend, and that has oh. been a fun arc for us <laughs> because Jake does have friends. I mean, he, you know, they go for walks, and Jake does have friends. Yeah, well, they're all these people that have the same kind of walking schedule along the river, and they're kind of peripheral characters, and all their dogs and and what have you, and their activities. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of fun in we that, have to be fun had with in that. Jack, yeah. yeah, we have fun yeah. with Jack, and and the the person who tried to train him but wasn't able to. Poor Jake, poor Jake. But but I, I wouldn't say poor Jake. I think he's landed up okay. Yes, he's he's he's, he's fine. He's very happy where he is, and and he's doing okay. I want to, I mean, I know that Epiphany Bloom is, is not going to be a thing. I love Epiphany Bloom. I'm picking that up. I'm, I, 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 I liked her. her. We loved her too. We loved writing her because Epiphany Bloom is a lot. I think one reviewer said it's bonkers and that is exactly what it is. And we that's like, what we like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's got us. Someone understood. Um, and, and, she, it, the books are a bit bonkers. Um, so they're they're less realistic than Julia Bird. Um, madder things happen. Llamas get involved. Um, but I we think had maybe that's why I loved her. <laughs> quirky is the I word. Do have a quirky thing for is llamas. the word. Mm. And we do, we loved writing her. Mm. We would love to do another one. Maybe for a young a young adult audience, mm. perhaps. Mm. I am chatting to the writing partnership of Katie Gale. That's Kate Sidley. And Gail Schimmel, who are my guests in studio today. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I am Janice Liebowitz, and this is People of the Book. And my guests today are Kate Sidley and Gail Schimmel. They form the writing partnership of Katie Gale. They are going to be guests at the Jewish Literary Festival, which is on the 21st of March. It is in Cape Town, and tickets are selling fast. I hope you have got yours. They are going to be doing a session with Hedy Lampert, and that session is entitled Murder They Wrote. And I imagine it's going to be quite um, amusing. I don't think it's going to be the most serious session at the festival, which 
I'm quite pleased about because a lot of the, the sessions mm. are going to be um, more of the serious kind, but we need uplifting sessions like this. I think we are going to feel like the silly guests at the, I, at I, the I literary didn't party. Silly. I didn't say silly, um, but personally, your session is the session I would choose to go to, Thank quite you. honestly. <laughs> so I've, I've already said that, that um, your, your characters, particularly Epiphany Bloom and Julia Bird, are a huge departure from you yourselves they are completely unlike you either of you and they're completely unlike the the this this cozy mystery genre is completely unlike anything that either of you write so i mean between you you've written over 10 books in various genres but this this was your this was your debut in the cozy mystery oh. arena yeah um, I think that's one of the things that makes it work. It's not it's not taking from our other writing. So it, it's completely different. It's a completely different experience. It's a completely different type of plotting, much harder actually. Um it's it's a, a you know everything about it is different, the writing process, and so it doesn't take from our other writing. And I think that is one of the things that has made it work and has made us able to keep doing it that we both also get other writing satisfaction from other projects. And it's, it remains ongoing. So, I mean, how do you plan? Constantly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, and you enjoy it. I mean, <laughs> like, I know you enjoy it. We do enjoy it. Like we, love it. we really have fun doing it, actually. Yeah. It's good fun. Yeah. How do you plan? I mean, you are about, Gail, you're about to, to release your seventh novel. I think so. <laughs> you think you're about I'm to release counting, it? Or I'm you, counting on my fingers. You think, think you're about to release it? Is, is seven. I'm, I'm about to release a new I'm, a I'm new telling role. you it's your seven. Good. Um, <laughs> and, and Kate, you, you released your, your first novel that you've... Um, no. Well, it's your, the first no. one that you wrote... No, I, 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 you've you've written I've a written, lot of I've, other I've stuff. I've written a lot of books. Um, what I mostly do, and and that's in fact what I what I do for my main part of my living, is that I do co-writing and ghostwriting and commissioned books. So I've written, I think, in counting the yeah, you know, counting the, my half of the the mm -hmm. Katie Gales, I think I've written, I don't know. 12 or 13 altogether. Um, so what I do is, for example, last year, my big book, I wrote with Francoise Melby Anthony, that Elephants of Tula yes. Tula, um, with her, which was a lovely experience. So mostly what I do is I write that in that sort of non-fiction genre. I wrote, um, Mosile Motepo, the whistleblower's book, uh, Trillian whistleblower's book with her. So that's kind of my, insofar as I have a day job, that's what I do. So it really is a very different thing from what I do with Gail and, it, it doesn't feel like the same process at all. Mm. Um, it feels like one gives me a nice sort of reprieve from the other. Um, and I can at least remember that who the p different people are and not get them muddled up, which is always a problem <laughs> with the, with our books generally with me and Gail. Cute sort of forgetting everyone's name. Um, so, yeah, so it actually, to me, it's a lovely balance. And uh, as I, you know, we're talking about collaboration, I'm, I'm kind of used to that collaboration because I have done quite a lot of those other books. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a pro, it somehow works. The system just works for both of us in quite an interesting way. That we get something different from this experience that we don't get from other work that we do. And li like you said, it is an ongoing thing. So we always are busy with a book in some way. We have it, at the moment, we're on a two book a year delivery schedule. Oh, wow. Um, which is yeah. what we can cope with. 
Um, and so we're either plotting or writing or coming up with the idea for the next ones. Um, it, it's an ongoing thing. And it's weirdly kind of addictive because, I mean, I was, yeah. I, at one point I had sort of three books that I was juggling, this one, one that was going out the door and one that was coming in, and then the, 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 the um, latest Julia Burns. I was like, oh, and I could get a break from all the millions of words that are going in and out of my head. And then yesterday we put the final sort of touches to the other one, and I said to Gail, you know, I'm going away next week, and I think maybe we'd better meet about the, the next one because I, I feel like I'm going to want to write. Mm. <laughs> I've spent mm. months going, oh, if only we didn't have to do quite so much writing. Yeah. Um, but it is, there's something about it that is quite addictive, actually. And, mm. and, you know, once you've got that world in your head, you want to move on with it and see what happens next. And, yeah, it's been very strange from that point of view. I kind of miss it when I'm not doing it, which is almost never anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but Kate, tell me about The Agony Chef. Oh, that was my first book. Oh, that was a long time ago. I think that was 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that was very good fun. So I wrote a book. Um, it was the weird thing. It was a kind of a cross between a recipe book and a novel. The main character in the book was an agony aunt who solved vexing modern-day problems with food and advice, sardonic, amusing advice. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was that book and it was, it did quite well and I had fun doing it. Um, and I always thought I'd like to either write another one or use her in a, in a, in a proper novel. And Kate um, keeps bringing food into, into our books, which I'm all in favour of. But yes, I do. I, there is, it is an ongoing, <laughs> sadly, theme. No, very attached I mean, to food. It's great. I love reading about food. I, I want to know what the characters are eating. I yes. like descriptions of food. In, in books, like when, when the characters go for a meal or go to a restaurant, yes. I want to know what they want. I plate. want to yeah. know what is on their plate. I, I love reading about that. Don't stop doing that. I think there's rather too much tea though. You did tell me the other day, like, are they having tea again? It's an English village. <laughs> <laughs> what would an English village be without the tea oh, and no. the, and the scones? And I mean, she's learned to make scones. It's like the only thing she can really bake. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there, there is a scene in the village fete, which every time I read and obviously because of our process I read it quite often or read it quite often when we were doing it where I'd be hungry for cake every time and I'd have to go and organize myself some cake every time I read it. In fact I'm feeling quite peckish now. Yeah. I think we might have to go for cake like after this. Subliminal, subliminal cake. But tell me like, when, when you, you know they always tell me when authors are starting out and they go looking for advice and they get told write what you know and should I be concerned? You're writing about murder. <laughs> We're writing about murder in an area of England that neither of us have ever set foot in. Um, so, yeah. But but I think for me, the write what you know has always been about write the feelings you know. Mm. And our, our characters still have normal everyday feelings that we can relate to. We don't write from the point of view of the murderers. Um, so we don't have to imagine a world of thinking that that is not ours, although I also believe that's possible, just for the record. But so we're writing what we know in a setting we completely don't know in events that would never hopefully happen to us. And even though it is set in a, in, in a particular locale, there is something kind of universal about mm. the stories yes. and about the responses and about the relationships. So I think that's sort of what, what makes it doable for us. Mm. I am talking murder with my guests. Kate Sidley and Gail Schimmel. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. 
This is People of the Book. And before we wrap up with my guests, Kate Sidley and Gail Schimmel. I mean, Gail, we were talking about, you know, writing what you know. Your novels, I mean, I, I know we shouldn't always put things in a box, and but, but when it comes to, to books and writing, mm. you know, people do like to know what genre, we, you know, what, what kind of books do you write. You, your books generally are classified as domestic noir. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, you, you write about what you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's families, it's, and jo- Johannesburg. And Johannesburg, yeah. and, which I love. And kind of dark, twisty family nonsense that goes on. I won't use the other words if it's going to come to mind. Um, and, cause we're on air. And. <laughs> You'll have to tell me off air. I'm, oh, I'm interested. You can't imagine what that would have been. Um, but where do those ideas come from? So if those books ideas come from what if? So all of my ideas have come from you thinking about something, and I don't know if this happens to people who aren't writers, but for most writers I've spoken to, we have a similar experience with this. Their stories come to you, and you think, well, what if Janice fell off her chair now, and Kate had to give her, resuscitate her, and <laughs> then actually Kate ended up murdering her. And you, know, and you have these what-ifs going on the whole time, <laughs> and sometimes it's a clever what-if. Um, and that's when I have an idea, and I actually get a feeling in my hands when I know I'm onto a clever idea. I get a little buzz in I my hands. I hope you're not getting it. I'm not getting it. I didn't get it with that one. I didn't get it with that one at all. Don't Good. worry. You're safe. I'm so pleased. <laughs> so and Kate, you don't have to resuscitate me. I hope you're pleased I'm pleased, pleased well. too. I'd be more delighted. <laughs> so happy to hear that. And, and well, so far they've worked because your books have been bestsellers. Uh, yeah, um, so I've, the ne- and the next one is still a domestic noir, and I can tell you the one after that is also a domestic noir, um, but maybe the one after that is not. What's that one going to be? It might be a rom-com, because maybe, and this is all hypothetical, maybe I've got a little bit tired of the dark side of domestic life, and I want to play a bit in the sunny waters of the good <laughs> side of domestic life. <laughs> So you mean that's going to be a book based on some island somewhere and, you know, palm trees and... I don't know if it's going to be that happy, Janice. I'm not uh, sure that I'm up to those levels of happiness. Baby steps. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because your domestic, I mean, they've, they've been really, really good. So if you do not know any of the books that Gail has written, and I know... Should I plug my new one? Can I plug my new one? With absolute... The greatest of pleasure. Go ahead. So at the beginning of May, my newest book will be out and it's called Little Secrets and about, it's about a woman who all she has ever wanted is to be a, a good wife and a good mother and create a happy home and what's, what's interesting for your listeners, a happy Jewish home. And it's the first time I've, I've gone into my, my own Judaism, which is a very weak and watered down kind of Judaism, but I've created Jewish characters. Um, and Monique, the main character, has created this lovely home and then some darkness steps into it. I cannot wait. And I know you're going to be, I mean, like we're, we're going forward now that French Literary Festival is coming up in May. And you're going to be there chatting I will be about there, the book. Chatting about the so book. I'm looking forward to that. But first, before that, Jewish Literary Festival, as I keep saying, 21st of 
March. It's in Cape Town and tickets are available online. They are selling fast. And M is a very proud partner of the Jewish Literary Festival this year. And if you have been a regular listener to the radio station, you'll have been hearing some of the authors, some of the guests of the festival who have been interviewed by some of our presenters here. And it's going to be a really incredible day. So whether you are Cape Town based, it is a public holiday. It's a long weekend. Schools are closed on Monday. So I would say get yourself there. It's going to be an amazing day. Kate Sidley, Gail Schimmel, Katie Gale, thank you so much for being my guests today. It's been wonderful having you here. Thank you, Janice. It's been so much fun. Thanks, Janice. And you listening to me, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, read whatever you like, but really please do read a book.